0: is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Let your woman keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. You may be seated. Please keep your Bibles. turned to 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to be camped out there for most of the evening. I am a very, very, very blessed man. One of the blessings I count is my opportunities to attend the Bible lectureship at Freed Hardeman University. I would guess it was probably about 40 years ago that at one of those lectureships, the speaker stood up and made two bold predictions. He predicted that in the 21st century that many of our congregations would fall astray due to one of two problems. He said one would be the introduction of musical instruments in worship. The other, he said, would be the Role of Women in the Church. I left that class from Fried Hardeman thinking, well, I guess it's possible, but surely that won't happen. Surely we would see entire congregations become unfaithful because of the introduction of musical instruments or the introduction of women as preachers and elders in the church. You see, I was gullible. I was young and gullible. And I didn't think that would happen, but it has happened. We have seen in this century, several of our congregations fall astray. The seven that I've been studying with, those seven attend congregations or churches. Let me correct myself there. They attend churches, denominations, Where women are preachers and elders and deacons, and where they do have instrumental music in their worship service. So I guess I should not have been surprised that one night when I was studying with four of the seven in a Zoom Bible class, that one said, Hey, why don't you have women preachers in the church of Christ? We talked about that this morning. And let me remind you that uh, let's not forget lesson one from this morning. I guess if I had to uh, take lesson one and shrink it down into just a few statements, I would say, number one, I want you to remember that God loves his daughters as much as he loves his sons. Men and women are both valuable to God. God loves his daughters just as much as he loves his sons. But number two, even though we have equal natures, even though we have equal salvation, both men and women can become Christians, we have different roles to play in the church. Now, tonight, what I want to do is I want to focus on the objections. I want to focus on the so-called reasons why people have introduced women preachers and women preachers and elders and deacons in their churches. Let's look closely at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's look at that passage a little bit closer. Notice... The three reasons why Paul is saying what he is saying. Verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints. I want to come back to that part. All churches. Verse 34. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak but they are to be, what? Submissive, number two, submissive, as the law also says. Verse 35, and if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. Number three, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Let's go back and look at that now. First off, Paul's rule. What is he saying to us? Women are not permitted to speak. When we say speak, we're talking about leadership roles. Women are not permitted to lead in the church. They're to be supportive. They're to be submissive to male leadership in the church, as we talked about this morning. First, as we've already said, women are not to speak because that's the practice in all the churches. Did you see that word I capitalized? All. A-L-L. You see, some people look at this passage and they say, Well, Paul, Paul is addressing a situation that was unique in Corinth. This is a situation that Paul is talking about in Corinth, and it only applies to Corinth. It doesn't apply to any of us today. But that's not what he said. He said, verse 33, in all the churches, that's every church, everywhere, every time period, all churches. He's not pinpointing a situation that is unique and Corinth. He is talking to all of us from every century. Second reason. Second reason is because women should be in submission. This is a reflection of God's permanent design of male leadership and female submission. This goes back all the way to the garden. Then we talked about that this morning. In the creating of Adam and Eve, God set up the example of male leadership and female submission. Eve was created to be a helper to complete Adam in the garden. This goes back to the law. That principle that we see in the garden was carried over into the Mosaical Law. And in the Mosaical Law, men were to lead the worship of God for the people. Third reason. Paul said it's shameful for women to speak in church, to take the leadership role, now why would it be shameful? Because this is not what God intended. It's not what God intended. He intended the men to lead, the women to be supportive, the women to be submissive, and that is what he intended. And when we violate, when we violate one of God's rules, it's a shame. Because we're making God's law, well, we make it into a mockery. We're, we're saying, well, God's law doesn't apply, and, and, and it becomes a shameful thing. But what about women who are highly gifted? What about women who are highly talented and, and, and have that talent? That's, that was one of the things that the four brought up as we were studying in that Zoom meeting. In fact, uh, two of the people were women, and, and one spoke up and said, I'm, I'm a very gifted. She said, I'm a very gifted teacher, and I preach. She said, I preach at my church. She's a part-time preacher at her church. You know, we do have very gifted women here. I talked this morning about the young ladies we have here, and and we have so many that are very talented. But it's not just isolated here and the young ladies. We have talent all through this congregation. You should use your talent always, but not in the public worship service. Brandy has spoken at a lot of ladies' events. Uh, Martha has uh, taught at polishing the pulpit. Uh, we have ladies here who have taught classes and, uh, with children and other women. And, and yes, use your talent, but it's not what you need to be doing in the public worship service. In the public worship service, that's not what God intended. So I would urge you, yes, use your talents but not in the public worship service. Now, at this point, in our Zoom class, the four of the seven, they were just objecting. They said, Michael, 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 hey, hey, this is just not fair. It's not fair to keep me down. That's what one of the ladies said. When she said that, I asked her a question. I said, I want to ask all four of you the same question. How many of you have a special relationship with your mother? I was not surprised that all four said, well, we, we have a, I have a special relationship with my mother. I said, I'm not surprised. I said, of you four, how many of you had a dad that lived in the same house as you grew up in? Three of the four had a dad that lived in the same house where they grew up. One was a, um, a product of a, of a split home. I said, is it fair? Is it fair that God gave your mother a nine-month advantage? I said, think about it. God gave your mom a nine-month advantage of building a relationship with you that your dad did not have. Is it fair? Is it fair that I can't have a child? Is it fair that only Lisa can carry our children and give birth to our children? You see, that's the role that God has created. God has created the woman to bring the children into the world. It's not an issue of being fair or not fair. It's an issue of the role we play. In the role of procreation, the father is not the child bearer. The mother is the child bearer. I said, we're talking about roles here. We're not talking about what you perceive as being fair or unfair. We're talking about what is truly what God intended in His church. And I think my battery is about to go out on this. Uh, Bob, I'm going to need your help. Can you please advance to the next slide? Because this is not working at all. We are stuck here for just a moment. I may need Billy's little pencil thing, because this thing is not working at all. Okay, 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 but now we're going. We're going actually too fast here. Let's back up here. Let's back up here. Just a moment, I do apologize. This is not what we intended. Back up to objection one. Okay. Now, four of the seven objected. Now, let's talk about what the world says. Let's take for just a moment, let's go away from the seven, and let's talk about what the world is saying. Objection number one. The world says, well, this passage here, Paul didn't really say that. There are some people that will say, I do not believe this, because Paul didn't write it. To which I say, How can you say that? You know, there are some verses in the Bible where people will say, well, because of so-and-so, I don't believe he wrote that. For example, in the Old Testament, Moses writes that he was the most humble person on the earth. And some would say, well, Moses would not say that about himself, so Moses did not write that. To which I say, well, if, he, if it's a fact, it's a fact. If Moses was very humble, and so why not? He could just say, I am the most humble person on earth. I don't see a problem with that. But here's what I'm trying to get to. There are some verses that some people, for whatever reason, will say, that's not written by that person. Well, how about this passage here? Is there any credible objection To Paul being the author of these verses. To my knowledge, there's absolutely no credible objection to Paul being the author of this. I believe Paul wrote it, I believe it was on Paul's heart. Objection number two some people say, well, Paul, you know, Paul's been speaking about the problem with tongue speaking, Paul's been talking about the problem of the abuse of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. So what he's talking about here is miraculous teaching. Paul is saying, women, don't be involved in public miraculous speaking. They say it's miraculous, yes, but not the non-miraculous speaking. Stop right there. Does that make sense? Would Paul say, okay, women, you, women who are inspired, you don't speak up, but you women over here who are not inspired, you go ahead and speak. Does that make sense? doesn't really make a lot of sense. Objection number three. They say, well, Paul is talking to wives only, but not all women. What they're doing is this. They're creating a marriage penalty. They're saying, okay, women can speak in the church until they're married, and when they say, I do, they can't speak anymore. They can't lead. Once again, does that make any sense? No. That doesn't make any sense at all. Number four. Some would say, well, Paul is correcting some women, but he's not prohibiting all women. My question to them is this. What's the group that he's correcting? They don't know. They just say, well, he's correcting some women. But Would Paul do that? Would Paul be so vague in doing something like that? Objection number five. Once again, it doesn't have a lot of credibility. They say Paul is only talking to some disruptive women. Okay, now they're going to pinpoint the group. They're saying he's only talking to some disruptive women and he's not talking to all women. I did a very unscientific survey. I contacted 10 women. By the way, these 10 women are not Christians. I read to them, actually I sent them the the passage by email. I sent them the passage by email, then I asked them, what do you think this passage means? These are ten women who are not Christians. All ten said, Paul is saying women are not supposed to speak up. You know, when something is as clear as this, Why have an objection like that? It doesn't make sense. Now, two of the seven. Let's go back to the seven. Two of the seven, two of the four that I was studying with that night, two of the four said this. Well, how about 1 Corinthians 11? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. They said, look at 1 Corinthians 11 verse 5. I said, okay, let's look at it. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. They said, okay, Michael, it's pretty clear that you got some women that are praying, they're prophesying, they're taking a leadership role. I said, okay, first off, We know that the last half of chapter 11 is dealing with a worship service. Paul is talking about the communion service. So we know that the last half of chapter 11 is dealing with worship. I said, prove to me that verse 5 is dealing with worship. I said, it could be. It's possible. I can't disprove it. Trouble is, I can't prove it either. Is it worship that Paul is talking about in verse 5, or is this just a group meeting? Is this out on the street? Is this out in the everyday life? You see, we don't know for sure. Now, I have my personal feelings about it, but I can't prove it either way. But I said, anytime time we have a verse where it's a little bit unclear, what do we do? We look at verses that are clear, that make it very clear. Let's turn to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Paul writes, this is the same Paul that wrote 1 Corinthians. I desire therefore that the men, that the men... The word here is not everybody. This is not mankind. This is not men and women. The word that Paul is using here means males, men. I desire that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. We don't want to put the focus on you. The focus should be on God. But which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission learn in silence with all submission and i do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man but to be in silence now let's go back to first corinthians chapter 11 first corinthians chapter 11 is this worship maybe is this not worship maybe but first timothy chapter 2 Paul is saying, women, learn in silence. Respect that role that I have given you, that God has given you. Be the supportive member. Now, I think part of this can be explained by the meals at the temple. There's a problem that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. That problem is, the Christians that live in Corinth are often invited to meals that are served in what we might call like a banquet hall next to a, an idol temple. And there's a question, should Christians attend those meals? If you look at Paul's, when Paul's talking about this, at first he might say, well, Paul seems to say it's okay to do this. But then later in the book of 1 Corinthians, he clearly, he clearly points out the problems about influence, and he encourages the Corinthian Christians not to eat the meals associated with the idol worship in the idol temples. Same thing here. In 1 Corinthians, he knows he's going to write chapter 14. What we call chapter 14. He knows he's going to get to the subject of the role of women in the church. Here in chapter 11, he's not focused on that question. What's he focused on? Go back to it. He's focused on head coverings, the imagery, the influence the message that is associated with the way the head is covered or not. So I look at 1 Corinthians, and you can't use that passage. You can't use that passage to authorize female leadership. It just doesn't fit the rest of the New Testament. And keep in mind, anytime you have a passage that is a little difficult to understand, use other passages that are easy to understand to explain it. But then someone would say to me, in fact, one of the four that night said, that's just Paul saying it. In other words, they're saying it's, it's Paul's rules. It's not God's rules. Go with me now to verse 37. Verse 37. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet, now some of those pope people there that had the miraculous gifts given to them, some of those folks had the gift of prophecy. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge. Acknowledge what? That the things which I write to you are just my words. Is that what your Bible says? No. That the things I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. This is more than just Paul's rules. This is God's rules. This is the Lord speaking to those folks in Corinth through the pen of Paul himself. And today, he's speaking to you and to me. Now, as we have said, there is clearly a play in the church and in the family. Men, we must restore God's plan for men and women. And that calls for us to step up. You know, when I look at so many families, i see so many families out there in the world that are struggling those families are struggling to survive struggling to make it and in so many cases those families are struggling because the husband the dad is not doing his part he's not doing what he should be doing in his family The same thing applies in God's family, the church. Men, we must step up. When there's opportunities, when there's opportunities for us to lead, let's lead. When there's opportunities to be considered as an elder, let's consider it. Let's have that desire. When there's opportunities for us to consider to be a deacon, let's pray about that. When there's opportunities for us to be a teacher, let's do that. When there's opportunities for us to serve in the worship service, let's step up and say, hey, I want to do that. I want to try. I want to be there and do that. When there's opportunities to serve, let's do that. There's a, there's a fact that I have seen in most congregations that I have served over the years. That fact is, the women of the congregation do more than 50% of the work. Men, let's not put all that burden on them. Let's do what we can do. True, they may have more time. Maybe we're tied up with our work and we're supporting our family. I realize that. But what we can do, let's do it. Let's step up. Let's be the Christian man that we should be in everything. Men, let's step up. Tonight, are you a Christian? If you're not a Christian, why are you waiting? Please repent, believe in the Lord. Repent of your past. Confess Him and be baptized. As a Christian, do you need to seek forgiveness? The church stands ready to pray with you and for you. If you have any need to respond, we please do so. As we stand and sing for your encouragement. Just as I am.